The final season of Power Book 2, Ghost, begins. And for Tariq St. Patrick, it's the moment of truth. In the wake of being betrayed, pushed out of the drug game, and almost killed, Tariq is out for revenge. Will he prove to be like his father and do whatever is to be done to protect his family and his future? Or is he his own man? Power Book 2, Ghost, the final season. Watch now only on Stars and the Stars app. In the pressure cooker of the NBA playoffs, there's no room to fake it. Every pass, shot, and dribble is immediately consequential. The playoffs are the time for the real. Real stakes, real emotions, real sweat, blood, and tears. Real legacies. Which teams will rise from the chaos? Which teams will conquer? Which team is going to make this year their year? You already know when and where to find these moments of unscripted, pure entertainment. The NBA Finals continue. Tune in on ABC. Black Tech Green Money isn't just about telling the stories of successful black entrepreneurs. It's also about giving actionable and wealth-building strategies that help you protect the future of our communities. That's why we're pleased to be supported by State Farm Insurance. State Farm also believes that we must invest in our communities to achieve economic growth by sponsoring programs like the AXO, which rewards high school students for their academic achievements. State Farm believes that being better neighbors creates better communities. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Hot Happy Mess. Celebrate your magic in the middle of life's messes. Hi, happy mess. I'm Ziri Hall, and this is Hot, Hot happy, happy Mess. Oh, shoot. <laughs> What is up? I'm Zuri Hall, and this is Hot Happy Mess, where we make the most of the moments we're in and celebrate our magic in the middle of all that is hot, happy, and messy in our lives. How you feeling today? You good? I'm good. Because guess what just came in? My Invisalign. If you're new to the podcast, you might be like, first of all, I don't care. Sorry. <laughs> and secondly, I don't care. But if you listen to the first episode ever of Hot Happy Mess, you know that I have been on a journey to straighten out the teeth a little bit. And I just felt like you guys needed the update. Like you deserve the update. Those of you who are invested in Bracegate, if you're confused, go back and listen to the first episode. My amazing orthodontist just delivered my Invisalign retainers and I am excited to begin this journey. No, they're not in right now. I took them out for this episode, but I'm already loving them. It's been like a week and a half and I'm about that life. Anyways, today we are talking about attachment theory. Have you heard of this before? I am fascinated, absolutely fascinated with it. Before I dig in a little bit on what attachment theory is, let me tell you what to expect this episode. Today, we are talking attachment theory, the four different types. You can discover which one you are and why it really matters what your partner or potential boo-thangs type is, how your childhood shapes your type. Also, it applies to work relationships, parent-child dynamics. The list goes on. We've got an amazing expert who is going to break it all down and tell us how to improve all of our relationships based on our attachment type, okay? So you're going to figure out how to hack the system, how to get those relationships and the communication and the good vibes flowing based on what your attachment type is. Then I have an honest, hilarious, and very vulnerable chat with a real-life couple who have opposite attachment styles. Ooh, one used to be more avoidant and the other more anxious, but they're both in a secure place now, and they are revealing how they got to such a happy place in their relationship and now marriage. 
So stay tuned. All right. The tease is over and I want to dive into attachment theory just a little bit. So what is attachment theory? Basically, attachment can be defined as a deep and enduring emotional bond between two people in which each person is seeking closeness and wanting and trying to feel more secure and ideally feeling more secure when in the presence of that attachment figure. Now, attachment theory is focused on the relationships and bonds between people, particularly long-term relationships, including those between a parent and a child and between romantic partners. Now, what I love about attachment theory is we use science for so many different things, right? And um, there's this book that I'm going to recommend later on in the episode that kind of breaks down this idea that we already rely on science to tell us what to eat. They say, you know, when to exercise and how long to sleep. So why not use science to help us improve our relationships? So I am definitely going to recommend that book. You got to stay tuned until later in the show. And it aims to scientifically explain why some people seem to navigate relationships effortlessly while others tend to struggle. So we've got help. Fear not. Attachment theory was pioneered by a psychologist named John Bowlby. What a name, Bowlby. All right, John Bowlby back in the 1950s and the field of attachment essentially suggests that each of us behaves in relationships in one of three distinct ways. Anxious people are often preoccupied with their relationships and tend to worry about their partner's ability to love them back. Avoidant people, this might be rescue a little bit sometimes, y'all hear more about that later in the episode. Avoidant people equate intimacy with a loss of independence and constantly try to minimize closeness. And then secure people. Secure people feel comfortable with intimacy and are usually warm and loving. And there's a fourth one that we'll get into with the expert. But I think it's important to note that this isn't definite. It's not permanent, right? So where I could have been a little bit more avoidant in my earlier years before I started doing the work, et cetera, and really working on myself, um, that doesn't mean that that's how it always has to be. And I am a living testament to that. I am such an advocate for this theory because the more I learned about myself and my patterns, the more I've been able to work on them. So I identify as secure now. There are really great, you know, quizzes and deep dives online that help you figure out, you know, if you're in a secure place, if you're skewing a little avoidant or anxious or full on one of those things. So you'll learn more about that in the episode. But science does suggest that a lot of how our attachment types evolve is based on our childhood. So relationship dynamics with parental figures, um, people like that. So we're going to break it all down starting now. So without further ado, here is today's expert. Leah Mankow is a licensed mental health therapist and group practice owner based in Sherman Oaks, California. She specializes in treating anxiety, depression, and trauma, as well as helping her clients connect with their inner child. So we're about to dig into the nitty gritty of attachment theory. Here's Leah. All right, Leah, thank you so much for joining me today. How are you feeling? I'm feeling good. How are you? I am doing well. Thank you. No complaints. I am on cloud nine because I am absolutely obsessed. Like, I know that's a word people throw around a lot. It's a filler word. I am obsessed with attachment theory, with the psychology of love and compatibility and how we 
uh, make partnerships, not just romantically, but just in general, including companionate love and, and all these different forms. So I'm glad that we have you here to talk about attachment styles. Um, before we do that, let's just um, give a little bit of background to to our listeners here. Um, how did you first start to study in the space of attachment theory? And what's your sort of perspective on it? Is it something that you really kind of can get behind? Absolutely. So I have my master's in social work and you study attachment all throughout graduate school because it's our attachment that's the core of how we relate to other people, not just our most romantic relationships, but even our platonic relationships, our friendships, our bosses, strangers, um, the people outside of us. So at, at the core of everything is our attachment. Um, and, and I really got into studying it because it was um, a majority of what they taught when I was in school. Mm-hmm. And when it comes to the attachment styles, break them down for us. What is each attachment style and what are some of the signs that that might be a, a bit of a hint that someone is skewing one way or another? Okay, so there are four attachment styles. The healthiest one, which I think we all want to shoot for, is secure attachment. And I'm sure everybody's heard of that one. This is where the re- this is where people say like relationship goals, mm-hmm. where it's <laughs> healthy, it's secure, it's attuned, there's communication, there's trust, there's like a, there's just like a good flow of emotional reciprocity and there's so much safety and respect. Mm. That's secure attachment. Um, the next sort of attachment style, it's called anxious attachment. And these are when people struggle to communicate and they tend to get easily triggered in the relationship. And what tends to get triggered is this fear of abandonment. Mm. And so what happens is um, it's like this up and down. And when they feel like they're about to be abandoned by their partner, whether it's real or perceived, it could be your partner didn't answer the call for 30 minutes or maybe a few hours. And then there's this fear that they don't want you anymore. Right. right? So that would be an anxious attachment style. And it's and usually because they struggle with communication, they tend to act out Mm -hmm. instead of share what's going on. What what would acting Um, out maybe look like for someone who's behaving in an anxious way? Passive aggressive, Mm. passive aggressive. It could look like accusing your partner of doing something that they weren't doing. It could look like, okay, now they're calling you back. So now I'm not going to pick up. Uh, Um, Or it could even look like, let me call you 100 times. Ooh, yes. Yeah. (laughs) You know what I mean? Yeah. It could look like any, because there's so much anxiety behind losing that. And is it, correct Um, me if I'm wrong, but essentially attempting to take back some sense of control that you feel very much like you've lost in that moment. I'm not going to answer, but at least now I've regained control of this situation because you're calling and you're willing to talk, but you know, but when I'm calling and you're not answering, there's a complete lack of control. And I'm, Mm -hmm. I have so many unanswered questions. I have no idea what's happening on on the other side of that line. Exactly. And it just becomes so hard to manage internally. That's where a lot of the passive aggressive behaviors come up. Okay. Um, so that's a character component of anxious attachment style. It's just like that struggle with communication and that easily triggered. Okay. Easily and it's triggered. It's like the, a push and pull. Okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. What's the next one? And um, then, oh, go ahead. The yeah. next one is avoidant. And avoidant attachment, these are the people who tend to minimize the importance of their relationship. They tend to downplay the relationship. Um, They tend to also struggle with being vulnerable and they have a lot of walls up. So we see avoidant when, let's say, I don't know if you've ever had friends like this or if you've ever gone. Girl, I'm the friend. I'm not even going to lie. I'm the avoidant friend. (laughs) (laughs) 
I, I'm mostly secure, but when yes. I skew, I skew avoidance. So I was excited for you to right, break right. me down so that we could just let the people into my head real quick. <laughs> right. Avoidant is, it's like, we see it in so many different ways. It's like making excuses not to get close. Right. And it could look like I'm busy, I'm working too much, or X, Y, and Z. Mm-hmm. You know, oh, this happened to this person. I don't want to do that. I don't want to get into that either. Mm-hmm. It's just really minimizing the importance of the relationship or even the importance of getting into a relationship. And a common theme with avoidant people, it's I don't need to do that right now, or I can do this all by myself, mm-hmm. or I don't need anyone. Mm-hmm. And if they do get in a relationship, which they do, right? Mm-hmm. They, they do. Um, it would also look like that person makes a mistake. You know what? Maybe this isn't right for me. Girl. <laughs> Like, I am just like, good God. <laughs> like, you could blink the wrong way. And I'm like, well, this was fun while it lasted. I guess I'm just, I don't think, yeah. just I'm fine. Yeah. Like, have a nice life. Like, yeah. wow. Right. I don't, I, yeah, I don't think they're the one. I didn't really right. like the way they dressed or I didn't really like. Yeah. It's kind of like finding things to support that you don't need to be with. Right. You don't need to be vulnerable. And it's, a, you know, all of these attachment styles, um, well, all except for secure, they're all efforts to protect right. us. Defense mechanisms. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. You said four. So I want you to give the fourth. And then I, I would love if you could break down kind of how we develop these attachment styles, especially in our childhood to sort of protect ourselves. Okay. So the fourth one is called avoidant fearful. And this has the flavors of all of them actually, mm. except for secure. <laughs> so it has the flavors of the first two. It's you're strongly avoiding closeness. You're fearful of closeness and you're also fearful of rejection, but you also highly want the intimacy. Mm. So you want the intimacy, you want the closeness, you want those relationship goals, but you fear it so much. So then this is like a, a push. Well, it's very disorganized. Mm-hmm. And this could also look like on the extreme level, like being abusive and then telling them like you love them, you're sorry. And then it's like that pattern, right? That's kind of like on the more extreme side. And correct me if I'm wrong, but this is one of the more rare of the attachment styles to, to sort of, I wouldn't, or is it not? Okay. I wouldn't, I wouldn't say it's more rare. It definitely does happen, but it's probably not as talked about as the other Mm, ones. Okay. Okay. Got it. And and when it comes to how we develop these patterns, you know, I like for me, I, I think I learned at an early age. I and honestly, I don't know if there there was no triggering event. Like sometimes I wonder, like what happened, what whatever. Because again, like I mostly identify as secure, but when I am not showing up as my highest self, I skew all the way avoid. <laughs> I am just like, well, it, have a nice mm-hmm. life, R.I.P. Like you're dead to me. And then, like, mm-hmm. two days later, of course I don't mean it. And if anything, I'm just afraid of losing <laughs> that thing that I love and that I hold dear um, and that I do have attachment to, but I'm trying to protect myself from the pain of um, it disappointing me or leaving me. I, I I always was the person who felt like I'm going to leave before you can leave me. I, I don't need this relationship, friendship, professional situation, whatever. But the truth is I really want it and I'm emotionally invested in it and I'm so afraid of what it might feel like to go through the pain of being disappointed or let down that I'd rather tell myself that lie to kind of keep the wall up and either not let the attachment form or convince myself that I can survive without the attachment. I don't know where that came from, <laughs> but I would love if you mm-hmm. could break down um, where these these sorts of attachment styles tend to come from. It's most is it childhood for the most part? 
You know, that's such a good question. So attachment theory really states that the emotional bonds we have with people last throughout our lifetimes, and they tend to stem from our very first relationships in childhood. So I would say, yeah, our childhood does lay the foundation for attachment. I've definitely heard people say, I had a great family. I'm close to my dad. I'm close to my mom. I don't know why I get this way in relationships. Yeah. Okay. So, so sometimes what happens is maybe some of our earlier, most intimate relationships were really bad Mm. and we're traumatized by them. Mm -hmm. Right. So you could have had a great relationship with your parents. And then let's say the first, maybe somebody you fell in love with down the line uh, could have been a chronic liar or a chronic cheater, uh-huh. right? Something. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And then yeah. you, you, and then you get out of that relationship, but that trauma stays with mm. you. So the relationships we have after childhood in adolescence in young adulthood, they, they influence our attachment style. So it's, it's not all on our parents. Yeah. They lay the foundation, but it's not all on them. Okay. Okay. That's fascinating. You know, it's funny, as you mentioned that I think about, I remember my first grade best friend, like maybe second grade, first best friend I ever had. And I was like, perfect. I found my person for life. We're just going to do life together. And maybe by fourth or fifth grade, she was like on the greener pastures, like the cool kids crowd. And I was like, oh, wait, what? And I was so hurt about it. And I vaguely remember the thought forming for the first time in my mind. And it's one thought, it's a thought that has come back for all of my 32 years at this point of, well, that's fine. I don't need her. I don't need a best friend. I don't need any, like, I'm, I'll be fine. Like, who needs a best friend anyway? They're just going to leave. <laughs> They're just going to, you know what I mean? And it's, uh-huh. it's so, it sounds uh-huh. silly to say I was six or seven years old, but I remember that, that disappointment of really spending our, all of our waking hours together, our weekend sleepovers, our moms or friends. And then suddenly that wasn't the case anymore. And it wasn't my choice. And the hurt that kind of comes with that, that you don't really think about as an adult. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's interesting that you you brought up that memory mm-hmm. because the fact that you remembered it and you feel it in your body, yeah. it's enough. It's really enough to influence the way you experience subsequent relationships. Mm-hmm. That belief, like people are going to leave anyway. Mm-hmm. Yep. You know, people don't owe me anything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So if... How do you suggest, actually, maybe someone's listening and they don't know their attachment style. I've done the quizzes online. I've sent them to my family and friends. Do you, is that okay to do, like, kind of just throw your answers in one of those online forms and kind of figure out your attachment styles? Anything we might, uh, that you might say, if you feel this way, if you do this, if you think this way, you might be this thing. I, th- I totally think it's fine to take those quizzes. Okay. Um, it might be even good to take multiple quizzes just to compare the answers across right. the board. And if you Google um, attachment style, um, psychology attachment style, you'll see so many videos that'll pop up that'll describe it even in detail. So it, it's okay to it's okay to explore it for, for yourself. Mm-hmm. But I think if you tend to find yourself doing a push and pull re- um, dance in your relationship, I want you, I don't want you, I want you, and then I'm going to be cold to you, mm-hmm. right? It might be safe to say that there's a little bit of anxious, fearful in there. Mm-hmm. If you're the type to get really nervous, anxious, stressed out, and kind of like ruminate, mm-hmm. if your partner doesn't pick up, or if their tone changed, like if they're having a bad day and their tone changed, but you think they really hate you, yeah. right? Like you take everything they do personally, it might be safe to say that there's a little bit of anxious attachment happening. Got it. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you find yourself in a flow of just healthy communication and trust, and you know, you get anxious, you get triggered. 
But instead of arguing with your partner about it, you're able to say, hey, this is what I'm going mm-hmm. through, right? Then then it's more than likely you're securely Secure, attached. baby. Congratulations. However, oh, wait, she hit us with a, right. with a however. What's the, the however? However, <laughs> however, right. So I, I all of that to say, if you're sitting there and you're nervous because your partner's not picking up your call or their tone changed, I don't want to just say you're anxiously attached because you want to look at the context. Like right. if they've cheated on you before, right? right? Mm-hmm. If they're general, if that person's, ge- yeah. I, I don't want to. You may have cause to your for suspicion sometimes. and or anxiety. Right. Exactly. Yes. <laughs> yes, exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's just one thing. Some people will take these symptoms and they'll apply it to their situation without realizing, no, you're feeling this way for a reason. Right. Right. You know? Right. You're going back and forth for a reason. Right. Yeah. Um, when it comes to childhood trauma or or maybe um, just experiences, childhood experiences, what's one example of a situation in childhood that may have someone turn into someone who has an anxious attachment style? What might their dynamic with their parents or a parent have been? This is when a parent is not predictable emotionally. Mm. So the parent might be there for you. Let's say you're crying. And then the parent shows up for you and they take care of you and they nurture you. But then the next time you're crying, your parent's kind of like absent-minded, not really there, not really paying attention. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. There's like a lot of inconsistency in the parent's emotional attunement. So you never really know what you're going to get. That could lead to an anxious attachment style in adulthood. Okay. It's that not knowing. Right. It's that not knowing what you're going to get. And what about avoidant? Avoidant is when the parent was completely absent. Mm. Okay. So sometimes this happens if let's say, and this is no shade to the parents, but let's say the parent was doing the best they could, but they were working all the time. So they couldn't be there for you. Mm -hmm. So all your bids for affection and connection just weren't met because they couldn't be there. And so that child just learns to develop this kind of belief that, okay, I don't need anybody. I could do it by myself. Self-reliant. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. Okay. and another reason for that is, is if you grew up with an incredibly depressed parent. Mm, okay. Right. So, so they actually, so emotionally, they can't be emotionally there for you. just they absent. Just can't. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, they're just absent because they're so depressed, right. and and it happens. And so the child just learns, like, okay, I'm going to do this on my own. Right. Right. And what I'm about this on anxious, own. fearful? Is that the, did I get it right? Is Anx- that the- you did get okay. it right. Yeah. Yeah, you did get it right. And so this happens when the parent is abusive mm. and frightening okay. and scared like, and very scary. Oh. Okay. So the child's nervous system is already set up to be afraid of relationships. Oh. Okay. Yeah. Okay. But they still want it, yeah. right? Because we're human beings. We're wired, we're wired to want that kind of stuff. Even the, even the most independent person mm-hmm. is going to want that. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So their nervous system is just wired to get scared. Got it. And then secure means... Your parents loved you and everything was great. And congratulations. You are a healthy human in the world. You won. <laughs> you joking. won at life. Yeah, you won at life. Uh, yeah. Congratulations on the jackpot. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. When it comes to, you know, adult attachments based on some of the bonds that we may have formed in childhood, is it possible to change our attachment styles? You know, I... It's a rhetorical question for me because I have certainly put in the work to really live in a space of secure attachment. So I feel like I'm living proof of that um, because that wasn't always the case for me. Uh, But what is your professional opinion on someone saying, I might be anxious or I might be avoidant or I might be fearful anxious, but I want to get to secure? Is that possible? Absolutely. 
our attachment styles aren't concrete. They're flexible and they can change. When we, you know, have safe relationships, we know how to be safe for other people and we know to detect other safe people. Mm. Right. So it's a, like you said, putting in the work, Mm -hmm. it's putting and putting in the work looks like being Mm self-aware, but insight is nothing without action. Mm. So not only do you have to be self-aware, but you got to do something about yes, it now, yes, right? Yes. Now you got that accountability. Mm. Mm-hmm. What steps so, do you yeah, recommend? You are not stuck in that attachment. You're not stuck in that attachment. I love to hear it. We love to see it. Yeah. Change is possible. <laughs> Change can come. What do we do though to take those first steps? Is that therapy? Are there books you recommend? Is there just self-work or reflection? All of it. If I, I um, if you have the luxury and the space and the time to go to therapy, it's incredibly helpful to unpack all of the things that you've been through in your life that have influenced the way you relate to people and influence your feelings around vulnerability and closeness. Mm-hmm. So that's one avenue. Another, you know, you could just journal about it. Just mm-hmm. explore what are your beliefs about closeness? What are your beliefs about vulnerability? Um, have you been hurt before? Yeah. Have you been hurt before? And how has that hurt been brought into your later relationships Mm -hmm. because it has, it has, you're human, right? So you can, you can even write about it. You can do some self-exploration. One book that I heard is really good. I haven't read it, but I've heard great things. It's called Attached. Girl, I read it. I love it. I highly recommend it, everybody. Okay. I told you I'm obsessed (laughs) with this, with attachment theory. Highly recommend Attached. Read it front page to the last page. And I very rarely finish a book. (laughs) I am good for recommending half of a book that I read on this podcast, but y'all, I read the entire thing. So good. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. I love this. So then there you go. That's the book yes. I would recommend. <laughs> Attached. Okay. Thank you. Those are really great first steps. If we have a partner or we're considering dating someone and maybe we're the secure one, right? And we're like, Ooh, they're, they're getting me right. feeling a little avoidant over here, or I'm getting that anxious right. energy or whatever it is. How do you recommend we start the conversation in a way that's gentle, but you know, Hey, let's dive into this. Let's figure out our attachment styles. Ooh, that's a good one. So you just communicate it just like that. Mm -hmm. You know, one of the core tenets of secure attachment is direct and honest communication. Mm -hmm. So if you're dealing with somebody who may not be securely attached, but you are, the best way to go about that is by modeling it. Mm, Okay. Okay. Because like, this is what I'm noticing. Maybe we could explore this together. Yeah. I'd read. This is what I'm noticing. This is what it's activating in me. And then just having a discussion about what that means. Right. But modeling communication is is definitely what you want to do. I, I've read, you know, particularly in Attached, in that book, but also in some of just like my online digging, mm-hmm. um, that the most common pairing is avoidance and anxious types. I have been in those relationships where oh. I'm avoidant. And the more I pull away, the more that other person pushes, pushes, pushes. And we fall into this game mm-hmm. of back and forth and really... I don't know. We maybe kind of liked it. I think maybe I did at a certain point. It was when I would pull away and be like, I got to get out of here. And it wasn't, it wasn't, um, it's important to know in, in my situations, it wasn't abusive. It wasn't like anything like that. It was just, I don't know if I'm going to do this. I think I just need space. I'm bored. I think I want someone else. And then it's like, he's blowing me up. He's calling me. He's this. And then I would be kind of like not into it. And then as soon as that person pulled away, I'm like, oh, wait, hold on. Well, maybe I should give him a call. I think I kind of miss him. (laughs) And it was this idea that it was safe 
to invest in him again. It was safe to be emotionally into him again because he wasn't into me anymore. Or he was like, you know what? Fine, I'm going to pull away. I'm going to fall back. And suddenly that allowed me the space to fall into it. But when he was too clingy or too invested or God forbid, just be secure, you know, and like, hey, I just want to be here. It was too much for me when I was younger and just really a bit avoidant. So um, when it comes to those dynamics, what's interesting is that it's not always romantic, like you said at the beginning of our conversation. So uh, just to sum everything up, in conclusion, if you will, why do you recommend that people dive into attachment theory, not just for romantic relationships, but why can understanding this help us in our professional relationships, in our family dynamics, even parent and child, right? Like that might be different. Why is why is attachment theory something that can help us strengthen all of those relationships? Because we want to be able to be accountable for our parts in the relationship. Mm-hmm. We want to be able to be accountable for what we contribute to the relationship. Are we fair? Are we kind? Are we communicating? Or are we the one that's passive aggressive, that's dismissive, that's avoidant, that's condescending, right? Mm-hmm. We, we want to be able to, because you can't change what you don't know, right? Right. So if you can delve into your attachment style, you can learn, oh, this is how I communicate or, oh, these are my beliefs about people. These are my beliefs about communicating feelings. Mm -hmm. And if you find that maybe you lean towards the more anxious avoidant parts, once you learn that, now you have the ability to change it, to shift it. Um, That's great. Healthy relationships are the, it's it's at the core of having, you know, healthy mental health too. Yeah. I completely agree. And I would add to that. I think it also allows you to have more compassion for your partner or whoever it is on the other side of that. If I realize, okay, this behavior is him being a little anxious right now. I'm not as offended. I'm not as worked up. I'm not as, why are you acting like this? Because I understand these are behaviors that go beyond this moment, that go beyond this relationship. This is his childhood showing up and vice versa. I want people to understand when I'm being avoidant, it doesn't mean I don't want connection. It doesn't mean I don't want to get to the heart of the matter, but getting to the heart of the matter overwhelms me sometimes or makes me uncomfortable. So I need a little grace sometimes with getting there. Um, So I definitely think that the more you understand about the attachment styles of the people in your life, the more you two can kind of facilitate creating a healthier, more secure dynamic. Yeah. Yeah, because the way yeah, because the way you might approach somebody with a secure attachment would be completely different than the way you would approach somebody who's avoidant. Yep. Yeah, exactly. Then you would approach somebody who's anxious or ambivalent. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's exactly it, Leah. Before I let you go, anything that you just want to uh, let our listeners know uh, before we wrap up, and I definitely want you to let everyone know where they can keep up with you, get in touch with you. So just on the theme of attachment, I definitely want people to know that wherever they lie on the spectrum of attachment, you can get to a secure attachment. Mm -hmm. It really is possible. It takes just a lot of practice, insight, awareness, vulnerability, right? Because you can't have a secure relation, a healthy relationship without being vulnerable. You just can't. Um, So you can get there. And for anybody that wants to keep up, I am most active on Instagram and my at is Alyssa Marie Wellness. Thank Alyssa you. Marie Wellness, and that's A L Y S S A. Yes. Okay. There, I like yes. to spell it out just in case people <laughs> start struggling in the search no. bar. Uh, Leah, <laughs> thank you so much for your time. I appreciate it. This is a great conversation. I can't wait to share it. Thank you. 
The final season of Power Book 2 Ghost is here, and no one's future is safe. After surviving a hit on her life, Monet, played brilliantly by Mary J. Blige, has to reckon with what led her to almost lose everything and to atone for the life she has forced her children to live. And on the other side of the coin, Davis, portrayed by the multi-talented Method Man, is suspended and on the verge of losing his law license. Desperate to survive, he fully embraces the criminal underbelly of his enterprise and finds himself working for both sides, loyal to whichever one benefits him most. And then, of course, there's Tariq, who finds himself at rock bottom and facing threats from every angle. With his future in the game in serious doubt and his family's safety on the line, will he lean into the St. Patrick name and do whatever has to be done to get back on top? Like father, like son. Power Book 2, Ghost, the final season. Watch now, only on Stars and the Stars app. There are moments in life that are so special that you have to capture them and save them forever. They are one of those once-in-a-lifetime events, like your baby's first steps, the first time you bring your family pet home, or your daughter's first dance performance. With iPhone 15 Pro, more storage means you don't have to delete anything that can become a lasting memory one day. And it's important to be able to share these moments with family members who weren't there to see them in person. Store more, share more. Connect with iPhone 15 Pro on AT&T. Get iPhone 15 Pro on AT&T and get an iPad and Apple Watch for 99 cents per month each. AT&T, connecting changes everything. Limited time offer requires 0% APR, 36-month agreement on each. Well-qualified customers, other terms and restrictions apply. See att.com slash iPhone for details. In the pressure cooker of the NBA playoffs, there's no room to fake it. When the NBA championship is on the line, every pass, every shot, and every dribble is immediately, undeniably consequential. The playoffs are the time for the real. Real stakes, real emotions, real sweat, real blood, and real tears. Trust me, I know what it takes to bring home a championship ring. The regular season is tough, but these games are a completely different level. Now is the time when legacies are made. The best team will bring home the Larry O'Brien Trophy and add their name to basketball history. Will we see a battle between marquee franchises, or will we see a new champion crowned? Which teams will rise from the chaos? Which teams will conquer? Which team is going to make this year? Their year. These are the moments of unscripted, pure entertainment that only happen on the hardwood. You've waited all season for this. It's time to take it to the next level. The NBA Finals continue. Tune in on ABC. Thank you again to Leah for such amazing insight. You are definitely going to want to hear this next combo because I'm about to sit down with a real life couple. Okay, Ashley who you know as one of my best friends and a card-carrying member of the group chat. I hope you listened, by the way, to the craziest single years-ish we've ever done because <laughs> she was in that episode. The bonus episode just came out. And her husband, Jason. In addition to their professional careers, they also have a couple's YouTube channel called Ray and Jay that is so much fun. And what I love most about Ashley and Jason is they truly are just one of those super laid back couples who you just love to hang out with, whether you're just kicking it on the couch, whether you're in the club trying to turn up, like it's just always a good time. They're so down to earth and so much fun. And today they are opening up about their differing attachment styles 
So they're both secure now, but Ashley skewed more anxious initially, and Jason skewed more avoidant due to their own upbringings, their own experiences, etc. So they've been together for a long time, I think about eight years now, and it took a lot of meeting in the middle, a lot of conflict resolution and communication to get to a point where both of them felt understood and respected in the attachment space because they need completely different things when they're arguing or when they're trying to communicate. So here we go. Ashley and Jason. Okay, so I've got Jason and Ashley here now. Thank you guys for joining me. Thank you for having us. Hey, what's up, everybody? Jason, have you been listening to the podcast? Have you heard any of... You can tell me no, I won't be offended. But have you heard any of (laughs) Ashley's revelations yet? Because she's acting up in one of the more recent... When I was... Oh, yeah. No, we... we, As soon as she got off last week, I kind of gave her the side eye. I was like, oh, so who's Mr. Dark Chocolate? And... uh, who was, who was this cute dude that had blue eyes and blonde hair? You ain't there telling me about him. LOL. Blue eye, you know I told you about him. You just forgot. No. You forgot. No. Yes, I did. I had to give her a little, I had to give her a little talking to last okay. week. Okay. Like, I had to yeah, put you her told place me real quick. I couldn't do something, but you went ahead and did that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Double standards. She ain't right. She ain't right, Jason. That's Sarah how she me is. in trouble, man. <laughs> Oh, well, I'm glad that Jason gets to join the podcast. You are technically the second guy, but one was an expert. I feel like your group chat at Jason. So Jason is, I'm going to say the first guy who's like sharing his perspective on the podcast. The pioneer trailblazer. Let's go. Just blazing paths. Don't let us down now. Um, we oh, are okay. talking. Oh. I'm nervous. Hey, I'm sweating now. <laughs> no, no, it's going to be so good. Don't so mess good. it up. Great start. <laughs> Uh, We're talking about attachment styles in this episode, and it's a topic I'm fascinated by, um, specifically because I think that once we realize our patterns and our behaviors, it it gives them less power, at least for me. Like when I didn't know why I was acting the way I was or I didn't know why I was shutting down, it made it way more frustrating when I would have to try to explain to a partner or an ex-partner why I was the way I was. It's like, well, I don't know. I just need space right now. Well, I don't know. I just, I can't talk to you right now. I don't know. I just... My mind is like a a cloud. It's like a big jumble of mess and I can't unpack what I'm thinking. So no, I can't tell you how I feel right now. I need to like not talk to you for a day. And they sometimes didn't understand that because what's fascinating is, and I'm more avoidant when I skew insecure, but I'm mostly secure, avoidance and anxious types tend to get together. They're the most frequent partnership that we see because it takes two to tango. And when an avoidant pulls away or doesn't want to talk, someone who's more anxious is like, uh-uh, I need to talk right now. Knock, knock, knock. I know you need a second, but I just need to, we need to just sort it out. I don't feel settled. <laughs> so you kind of do that forever if you don't check it. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm going to let you guys take the floor. Uh, Ashley, Jason, whoever wants to go first, how would each of you identify when you're not secure? But like, also lay it out. If you feel like I'm, we're secure now, blah, 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 blah. Who are you and, and what are your attachment styles? So I think now, I mean, we've been together for almost eight years this summer, which is so crazy. And so we've been able to really lay a great foundation. I feel like we are secure. There are definitely times in our relationship where my past attachment style will come out. Uh, which is which tends to lean towards more towards um, anxious just because I am somebody who naturally needs reassurance within my relationships. Uh, and so there's times within our relationships where that will start to show. And, you know, anytime we have disagreements, I'm somebody who wants to like I want to communicate right now. 
And Jason is like, I don't want to talk to you right now. <laughs> I don't even want to look at you right now. I'm about right. to leave the house. Right. So uh, that has been, you know, one of the hurdles that we've had to get over in our relationship is just really understanding, you know, communication styles and attachment styles and why we're doing it. But not for me, I had to learn not to take it personally and understand that, like, Jason's not trying to, like, leave me or, like, break up with me. He just needs right. some space. He just need a minute. <laughs> yeah, I had minute. to I had to learn from her that, you know, she needed to kind of talk things through. She didn't want, didn't want to have things, you know, to, to, to stay on her chest without her having to, to, to voice her opinion. But me, I was like, you know, I just got to take myself out of the equation right now uh, before we both say some harmful, meaningful things or mean things to each other, which I have done in the past, mm-hmm. uh, which is why I usually take myself out of the equation right right when I feel like the uh, tension is starting to heat up between right. us. And, you know, I still do it to this day, um, but me and Ashley, we talked, we communicated about it, and I think we have a pretty good understanding of mm-hmm. why I do it. And we yeah. try to meet somewhere in the middle with it. Yeah. So, like, hearing that you guys are generally secure now, and like I said, I am generally secure, but every now and then, I'll just jump out yeah. the window and be yeah. real avoidant dismissive. <laughs> I'm just like, oh, my God. <laughs> So um, I say this as someone who's like, I'm I'm in it. I deal with it still. Um, and it's hard to unlearn these patterns because the thing that fascinates me most about it is we learn them to protect ourselves at a very young age. Exactly. I became avoidant because something in, you know, my childhood or my upbringing or my school experience said, when people disappoint you, it hurts. So instead of being disappointed, I'm just going to say, I don't care. I don't pull away. Okay, bye. Have a nice life. Whatever. Like, I learned that early on. And so it, like, trickles into relationships that I don't want to bring that energy to. But it was kind of like my self-protecting thing. It was just, like, what I'd learned. And so it's been really hard to uncondition myself or recondition myself. But I'm working on that. And it's it's been so far so good. Um, Jason, you mentioned the fact that, like, you can be kind of avoidant or, like, especially back in the day. You guys have been together for eight years. You've been married for... Is it a year now? Has it? Did you have your anniversary yet? Yeah. Yeah. Oh my yeah, God. We just yep, hit a year. Yeah. Happy anniversary. Yeah. Did I post that somewhere to y'all? Did I say something underneath no, Facebook? No. Uh, it's, no. no. It's because uh, no. we are celebrating, technically celebrating on on February 8th. So you still got yeah. time. Okay. Because yeah. I was like, I didn't see a NAM post. Uh, I'm like, oh, no. Sorry. Okay. But well, technically, we've been married for a year. Yes. Okay. <laughs> All right. You. Happy anniversary. One year down. Forever <laughs> to go. You. Thank you. Um, yes. Jason, explain your emotions when it came to being avoidant. Let's talk like back in the day when you guys were first dating and you're trying to figure out conflict resolution style, misunderstanding one another, you needing space, her not getting it. Like what what was your vibe when it came to arguments, Jason? And what did you feel like Ashley wasn't understanding about that? Well, I'm going to take it back a little bit further than Ashley. Ooh, and the okay. reason why I feel like I'm avoided. Um, only because I had one particular relationship where we did argue a lot. Um, and she was very headstrong. She was very um, direct, which Ashley is as well. Um, but she was very harsh with her words. Um, so we would talk, we would get into arguments. And during the arguments, the stuff that she would say would really hurt, but it was really, some of it was pretty true. Mm-hmm. And, so, and so I always felt like, you know, I had to take myself out of the equation because it's like, A, I don't want to hear. Uh, you saying anything bad about me and, and B, I don't want to hear you saying the truth about me uh, on something that, you know, usually some people, you know, I don't want to say the truth because it's going to hurt his feelings. Mm-hmm. So bringing that to Ashley, seeing that Ashley has some of the same characteristics, 
as my ex did, but actually she's she's not disrespectful. She's not hurtful. She's not trying to do anything to be, you know, malicious. Uh, I just don't want to get to that point where things get heated and then she does say something that's pretty personal or something that would strike, you know, right here that would hurt me really, really bad. Mm-hmm. So you feel like I'd rather just shut it down, walk away, disengage, exactly. then keep engaging. Exactly. And this shit goes so far left that we exactly <laughs> that we can back. have, you know, that we can have, you know, we, we're both cooler heads will prevail that we can sit and we can talk and, you know, do you tell me what you got to say? Then I'll tell you, you know, how I'm mm-hmm. feeling. And then we can just kind of build from there instead of just mm-hmm. kind of like talking over each other. And mm-hmm. I feel that, you know, me and Ashley, like Ashley's very competitive. If you haven't known, Ashley is very competitive. She's so I a feel college like, athlete, collegiate ex- uh, <laughs> athlete. So, so I feel like she would even take. Less. I feel like she would even take like some of the arguments as a competitive type thing. Oh no, that like, and she a Gemini, Jason, because you know we just yes. like, yeah. like yeah. we just be debating the debate. Okay, y'all. <laughs> because I will drag somebody for film and then not even think twice, and they'll be like. You hurt. I'm like, girl, I ain't even thinking about that no more. What are you talking about? I'm sorry. I wasn't even, I wasn't doing it for fun. We were just debating for fun. They're like, it's not fun, damn it. Zuri, yeah, no, yeah, you she, need help. And she, she takes she takes cornhole pretty seriously. So. <laughs> oh, I played a game of cornhole, but y'all, I'm done. I ain't doing cornhole in Arizona with the Brookses no more. <laughs> okay, so that's Jason's perspective, Ashley. What was it like for you, especially in those beginning days, being someone who, first of all, where did your desire, do you think, for reassurance come from? Where did that maybe skewing of anxious come from in relationship? <sighs> I think it has to be from my childhood. And it's so weird that, like, I, I feel like I have to relate things back to a sport because I played tennis for so long and my life revolved around it. And so I feel like a lot of my... um my need for reassurance came from like, oh my gosh, you're doing well. Like, no, you did this. Well. You know what I mean? Like, I just had so much pressure on myself. So I needed somebody else to take the pressure off of me and like reassure me that like things were going well, because I don't trust myself to tell, be honest and say like, actually, actually things are going well. And so I've always had not like, even in my professional life, I don't do it in my professional life. It's really just with like the people that I'm like really close to the people that I let within my uh, my circles. And I've, it's so weird to relate it back to tennis, but, uh, I think it really starts there. And then as I've gone through my relationships, there's been times where I feel like, uh, I started to like put, put my all into something and then people would start to pull away. Like that has happened mm-hmm. multiple times. Mm-hmm. And so needing reassurance to say like, Hey, Ashley, like, it's cool. I mean, like, I know we got in this argument, but I ain't going nowhere. Like right. everything is fine. Uh, I needed that from Jason. And even to this day, like, I'm still very, like, I still have some trauma (laughs) from relationships Mm -hmm. that I have to catch myself in sometimes in my relationship with Jason, even though we've been together for like eight years, there's times when we've gotten in like disagreements and arguments. And like, a part of me is like, oh my gosh, is he going to like up and leave? And he's mm-hmm. like, babe, I ain't going nowhere. Right. Like, and what you so, want for dinner, um, quit playing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's just his commitment has is nothing like I've ever experienced before. And I'm still getting used to that. Like a lot of that stuff from past relationships can be very triggering and traumatizing. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I try not to like, I just have had to learn to communicate differently. And like he said, like really meet somewhere in the middle 
where I feel like I'm getting some, I'm getting my needs met in terms of communicating, but he's also getting his needs met in terms of like having his space. Mm-hmm. And honestly, like after, gosh, I mean, it's been almost eight years now. I feel like we just got our communication down last year. Yeah. Really? Moving, when we moved here <laughs> yeah. in Arizona. Yeah. Yep. Okay. And before we get it's a into the, the exact, and that gives me hope because I'm like, if we're supposed to figure this out in the first year, I might as well join a nunnery because I'm just it's not alone if that's the case. Um, so good. I got about eight years before I should throw in the yeah, towel. You good. Um, you good. <laughs> the final season of Power Book 2 Ghost is here, and no one's future is safe. After surviving a hit on her life, Monet, played brilliantly by Mary J. Blige, has to reckon with what led her to almost lose everything and to atone for the life she has forced her children to live. And on the other side of the coin, Davis, portrayed by the multi-talented Method Man, is suspended and on the verge of losing his law license. Desperate to survive, he fully embraces the criminal underbelly of his enterprise and finds himself working for both sides, loyal to whichever one benefits him most. And then, of course, there's Tariq, who finds himself at rock bottom and facing threats from every angle. With his future in the game in serious doubt and his family safety on the line, will he lean into the St. Patrick name and do whatever has to be done to get back on top? Like father, like son. Power Book 2, Ghost, the final season. Watch now, only on Stars and the Stars app. There are moments in life that are so special that you have to capture them and save them forever. They are one of those once-in-a-lifetime events, like your baby's first steps, the first time you bring your family pet home, or your daughter's first dance performance. With iPhone 15 Pro, more storage means you don't have to delete anything that can become a lasting memory one day. And it's important to be able to share these moments with family members who weren't there to see them in person. Store more, share more. Connect with iPhone 15 Pro on AT&T. Get iPhone 15 Pro on AT&T and get an iPad and Apple Watch for 99 cents per month each. AT&T, connecting changes everything. Limited time offer requires 0% APR, 36-month agreement on each. Well-qualified customers, other terms and restrictions apply. See att.com slash iPhone for details. In the pressure cooker of the NBA playoffs, there's no room to fake it. When the NBA championship is on the line, every pass, every shot, and every dribble is immediately, undeniably consequential. The playoffs are the time for the real. Real stakes, real emotions, real sweat, real blood, and real tears. Trust me, I know what it takes to bring home a championship ring. The regular season is tough, but these games are a completely different level. Now is the time when legacies are made. The best team will bring home the Larry O'Brien Trophy and add their name to basketball history. Will we see a battle between marquee franchises or will we see a new champion crowned? Which teams will rise from the chaos? Which teams will conquer? Which team is going to make this year their year? These are the moments of unscripted, pure entertainment that only happen on the hardwood. You've waited all season for this. It's time to take it to the next level. The NBA Finals continue. Tune in on ABC. Before we get to uh, the conflict resolution and the breakthrough that you guys have had recently as far as conflict and communication, um, if you're comfortable, if there's one thing that you can share, we don't want to get too TMI, whatever you're comfortable with, but is there an argument or something from back in the day that you remember? And it was a prime example of Jason, you being like, I don't want to talk right now. And Ashley being like, I need to talk right now. Like just a t- <laughs> and like a... Like, is there any anything like that yeah. that you remember that you can yeah. share? Like one yeah. event, one blow up, one complete misunderstanding of one another where it's just like 
you're just different. And so it, that yeah, was I actually, I, I remember it very well. I, I want to say it was probably, I want to say 2016 or 2017. Okay. Uh, that I can't remember exactly what we were arguing about. I think it had to do with some, some personal issues between the two, well, but that I had that was going on right at that moment. But I do remember telling her, I don't want to hear, I don't want to talk about it. You kept bringing it up over and over and over again. Um, and I always told you the same answer over and over and over again. And so I just got fed up and I started to walk out the door. Then I heard Ashley, fine, go ahead and leave. That's what you always do. That's what you always do. And I got in my car, drove away. I actually met up with my friend and we had uh, we had a couple of drinks together. Then I came back home and Ashley locked the door. Wait, you locked him out? Or girl, you locked the door after want, he if, came in. No, after he left. I'm like, if you want to leave, Ashley, leave. Honestly, I would do that same shit. So I'm not even going for it. <laughs> Like, I just feel like that's so petty. So if you locked our petty, boy petty, out the house, you are so petty. He was trying to get some uh, space so he could come back clear headed. <laughs> well, that he, he was in his face. Well, <laughs> you got your space. Yeah. You want so your space? Ashley I'm gonna give you your you space. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so Jason was leaving to go get drinks with the boys, whatever. Obviously, he needed his space. He needed to clear his mind. What was the perspective like for you, Ashley, on your side of it? What was going through your head? Well, one of the, and this is something I don't know if I'll ever grow out of, but one of my pet peeves, then this actually stems from childhood too. My mom used to do this to me. I love my mom. Like we've talked about this, but I think it's just her, really her generation. When I would try to express my feelings, my, my mom would be like, girl, you, like, you ain't got no feelings. Yeah. You're young. It was very yeah. dismissive. And so that, that is really just prevalent with that generation because mm. that's how they grew up. So I don't mm-hmm. like fault her for that. But I have a trigger with that when I'm talking and I feel like somebody a cuts me off and does not allow me the time to get my try to get my point across or explain how I'm feeling. um, It really triggers me like I I can like black out and like go completely like apeshit. Like I've seen that. I've seen that. Yeah. Like (laughs) I I can it's it's really (laughs) it's a trigger. Um, and so I feel abandoned. It just Mm. feels like you're abandoning me. You're dismissing me. You do not want to hear what I have to say. And I'm fighting for my voice to be heard basically. Mm. Uh, and so I still struggle with that. Like that's really like that point in which he has, he wants to leave. And the point where I feel like I need to be heard Mm. is the trigger in our relationship that we've had to continue to work on over all of this, these years that I feel find like that I feel like we finally got over um, the hump with last year. Yeah. And, and what was the getting over of the hump? Like what triggered the breakthrough and what did you realize about what each of you needs to feel respected in the way that you need? Well, I think, I think it was because we, we kept spinning our wheels in the, in, in the mud. Uh, we kept saying the same thing over and over again. And we kept doing the same thing over and over again. And I'll have to say the 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 time that we actually sat down and talked about it was last summer, uh, not this past summer, uh, twenty or twenty nineteen, the summer twenty nineteen. Ashley had to get something off her chest, and <laughs> she the her tone that I heard I heard the tone coming. So I was in the bathroom, and the tone Packing was bag, making its way about to climb out the window. Well, no, the, and leave. the tone was the, the, I seen the tone fl- floating in the air. And it was making its way towards me in the bathroom, and I just shut the door. And so, and so that triggered it with Ashley. So we actually sat down, uh, and I had to tell my perspective of I, when I when I feel things is 
it's starting to get a rise. I try to shut it down. And Ashley's like, well, I need to talk about things. So I, that's where we kind of came to the conclusion where we need to meet in the middle. Of, okay, well, let me t- tell me what you got going on right now. Then I, and then after you finish, we can finish, we, we can finish the conversation, but I got to leave right now. And then mm, I'll come back. Okay. So get it off your yeah. chest of what you want to say. Interesting. You know, I'll, and I'll tell you that wasn't my intentions. I apologize if I made you feel that way. Um, but as of right now, I still can't have this conversation with you. I got to walk it off. I'll let me, let me, yeah, walk it off and then I'm gonna come back. Got it. See, that's interesting because like for me and my boyfriend, it's, so I'm the more like avoidant when I skew like any space. And then he's a little more like anxious, like, oh, we should talk about this right now. And so for us, it's like, we're not gonna do it in the moment because I can't I just can't like I just it's not gonna be good so we've agreed like okay we're just not gonna talk about this right now Zuri's gonna go like do a lap or 17 of them and then when I come back I'm just gonna let him like let it out like he's gonna talk and then I can talk because with him it's also like he wants to hear what I have to say too he wants to get off everything that he has on his chest but like I can't even express myself. Like I don't have anything to do. Yeah. I can't give you yeah. anything right now. Like you ask me how I feel, I don't know. And yeah. so I can't even show up for him the way that he's asking me to because I couldn't form the words if you had a gun to my head. Like I just when I'm overwhelmed emotionally, I shut down. So I yeah, have yeah. to go get the space and then come back. So we'll take an hour or two and then be like, okay, let's talk. But yeah, no, I no like that you guys have. Be made. What'd you say? Yeah, no progress will, will be made. Exactly. That's and then you're just wasting time. Yes. What's what's yeah. the point? We yeah. can sit here and yell at each other or stonewall each other, but we're not, you know, connecting. So it's it's not productive. Jason, I want to, this might be because I'm biased for the avoidant, dismissive people in, in the world, <laughs> but like, <laughs> just share our perspective. You know what I'm saying? Like, as someone who kind of just needs some space or some time, what does it feel like for you in the moment? As a man, especially, this is mostly a podcast for millennial women, but lots of people listen. So a lot of these millennial women may be dating or married to or considering men who might skew a little more avoidant instead of anxious. If mm-hmm. if my man or or my, if my woman, you know, is saying, I need space, I need space. Like, what does that mean? What's going on in your internal system? And what do you hope? your partner knows and understands. So I'm, I'm a very introverted person. So I live in my head all day, every day. Mm-hmm. Um, so when I say I need space, I need to process everything that was just said. I need to process the, the whole argument on how it started, why it started. Um, and then the different routes that, you know, I could have taken um, if I would have said this, if I would have said that. Uh, so then I, then I'll have like the, the talk in my head. I'll tell Ashley, okay, I was saying, I was thinking this when I said it. Uh, and then I kind of think what she would, I'll try to anticipate what she would say. Then I'll go over that in my head as well. Um, mm-hmm. So when I'm, when I'm just away, I'm just thinking about the, I'm, I'm thinking about the whole, whole uh, interaction with her. Mm-hmm. And if I know that I'm in the wrong, how I'm going to start, you know, my apology and then right. just kind of say, you know, this is how I really felt when this was going on. You know, I apologize. Uh, if I made you feel this way um, and let's kind of talk about this and see where we can go here from, we'll go from now on. Um, yeah. But yeah, usually when I just, when I, when I, I just need to calm down because Ashley knows when I get heated and I get mad, I start to stutter. 
And I can't even, oh, I can't even get my words up. Oh. <laughs> I, I can't even get, because my mind is racing so fast. Right, so like fast, a mile a minute. I can't yeah. process. Yeah, I want to say like three different things at one time. <laughs> and so I start stuttering. You know? <laughs> so Just I'm like, yeah, look, look. Up. <laughs> yeah, and then on top of that, when you, when you argue it, that's why I feel like the competition there. And then I, I'm feel stupid if I'm like stuttering <laughs> while I'm trying to argue. <laughs> so. This is me processing and taking in everything. Right. right. I feel the same. I always liken it to, like, if you had, like, a tangled up ball of yarn, like, that is what my brain becomes when it's, like, a fight or flight situation or I'm upset. And the truth is, like, I feel like I get a bad rap, like, probably a lot of avoidant people get a bad rap where it's like, well, you won't even say you're sorry or you won't even this. And it's like, I just need time to get there. I'll admit when I'm wrong, but I need time to sit mm-hmm. with it and decide if I'm truly wrong. I am not the person who five seconds in, she's like, I'm just sorry because I just want it to be better because I'm not anxious. Like, I don't need it to be better immediately. I need space to proceed. Whereas, Definitely. like, potentially a partner might be like, I just want it to be better. I just want it to be fixed. So I'm sorry. Even when sometimes they shouldn't be apologizing. Like, I've been in a, um, I've been in a dynamic before with a past relationship where an ex would always just be like, oh, I'm sorry, or whatever, or it's fine. And I'm like, but it's not. And you should stand up for yourself, too. Right. Like, low-key, I know I'm wrong. I just wasn't ready to say sorry yet. But he over here apologizing to me. <laughs> And it's because he was more anxious. And so to calm his own anxiety, to calm his own anxiety, he would rather just say sorry for something he wasn't sorry for. So we could just be like level again. From your perspective, Ashley, what is that like? Like Jason's kind of broken down like what he needs in that moment and what he hopes people understand. What do you hope people understand about a partner who might be a little more anxious when things get uncomfortable or when there's conflict? Yeah, I think that uh, just understand from our perspective, like, like, I'm just, I just have anxiety in general, right? And mm-hmm. so when, uh, when things are aren't right, again, there's, there's trauma from past relationships where I'm like, I don't want to be abandoned. Like, let's, let's go ahead and make this work. Like, let, let's fix this, right? Yeah. Um, and, and the other thing is, like, when I'm not able to express myself, I get anxiety from that. Uh, that actually gives me anxiety. And I realized that that was also a trigger of my anxiety, like not speaking up for myself, not explaining how I feel, not getting things off my chest. And so, um, that's where we, that's where meeting in the middle is good. Cause I still get a chance to in the moment, express myself, not fully, mm-hmm. partly, and then he can have his space and that eases my anxiety in the moment, but it's pain. Like anxiety is not fun. Like, when you're going through those emotions, it's like all of these scenarios are going on in your head. You're thinking about the worst case possible ending, right? And so at that point, it's like, we about to break up. He about to give you these divorce papers. <laughs> like That's when I call Zuri and tell her, girl, it's done. I'm like, okay, girl, I'll come scoop you up. <laughs> girl, let me, I'm going to go gas the car. 
car. I'll be there in 24 right, hours. Right, about to move to L.A. Like, we're completely done. Right. And so all of these scenarios, unfortunately, are, like, going on in my head. So it's just like, let me just get a little bit out and, like, yeah. let me know that you are hearing me and that everything right. is cool. You just need your space. That's the reassurance right. piece. And that we're going to come back together and work this thing out. And Mm -hmm. I'm not going to feel abandoned. So it just, you know, it takes patience uh, with with me. And I'm working on that. But I also have a better understanding of how Jason feels, too. And I'm also empathetic to, to that as well. Right. Well, I appreciate you guys sharing your perspectives. Um, uh, you guys, I have good news if you're listening and you're like, oh my God, this couple is awesome. I wish I could hear them more. You can because they have a YouTube channel. So where can everyone keep up with you, watch, learn more about your relationship, your dynamic, everything, all the things? Uh, Thanks, and well, yeah. <laughs> yeah, we're on uh, YouTube. Our YouTube channel is called Ray and Jay. Uh, we try to post, you know, two to three times a week. Um, and we talk about everything from relationship advice. Um, uh, we also do blogs. And uh, sooner or later, once the country opens back up, we want to take you guys on uh, vacation. So, yeah, if you want to know more about us, you can all catch us on that. Okay, so Ray yeah. and Jay, that's R-A-Y-E. Yeah. Uh, is it apostrophe N? N? Yeah, the it's apostrophe. Yeah, apostrophe I don't know what N, it's called, little then, symbol. Yeah, and then uh, J-A-Y. J-A-Y. And then yep. you guys yep. are on Instagram, too, so... Yeah, Ashley. We are on Instagram. So Same my thing. Instagram, Same yeah. So I have my personal Instagram is um, at Ashley Ray underscore A S H L E E R A Y E underscore. And then we have a couple's Instagram page. Jason, you want to share that? Yeah, it's the same. It's our YouTube channel. Uh, Ray, Ray and Jay. Jay. Yep. Boom. All right. We'll make sure we put the links in the show notes too, so you guys can check that out if you want to follow, support, check out their YouTube channel. Ashley, Jason, thank you both. I love you. I can't wait thank to get back you. to Arizona thank to hang you. out. I love you too. Thank you for having us. Thank of you. course. Happy. Yes. Boom. Hope you loved this episode. Special thanks again to Ashley and Jason. Make sure you check out their YouTube channel. Um, do you have a clearer idea of where you might fall on the attachment spectrum now? I hope so. I hope you've got some clarity. You should definitely check out one of those online quizzes. You can honest to God just throw in attachment theory quiz on the internets and I'm sure you'll you'll find something that will lead you in the right direction. Um, and make sure you check out that book. I highly recommend it. I read it. I loved it. And this is the book I actually read start to finish, y'all. <laughs> you know I like to tap out halfway through a book. It's called Attached, The New Science of Adult Attachment and How It Can Help You Find and Keep Love. It's by Amir Levine and Rachel Heller. And make sure you let me know what you're loving here on Hot Happy Mess, what you want more of. I hope you're enjoying the love and relationship series. Follow me on Instagram at Zuri Hall and keep up with the podcast at Hot Happy Mess. And remember, if you need, you know, facts, figures, articles, links, blah, 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 you can totally check out hothappymess.com. We've got all the show notes. And if you loved this episode, share it with a friend right now. I mean, I don't want to be aggressive. I don't want to like push you into anything you don't want to do, but do it right now. Thanks. We trying to grow, y'all. We got to we got to grow. We got to evolve. We are expanding. Okay? So, share the episode with a friend. Next week we are talking about dating with intention, how to manifest your ideal partner. You are going to love it. And next week's party trick is really fun. It's a discount on a service that you are going to want to try. 
So I will talk to y'all next Monday. In the meantime, make sure you keep up with us on Instagram, Hot Happy Mess. And I'll talk to you soon. Bye. This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX is clipped. Now streaming only on Hulu. In the pressure cooker of the NBA playoffs, there's no room to fake it. Every pass, shot, and dribble is immediately consequential. The playoffs are the time for the real. Real stakes, real emotions, real sweat, blood, and tears, real legacies. Which teams will rise from the chaos? Which teams will conquer? Which team is going to make this year their year? You already know when and where to find these moments of unscripted, pure entertainment. The NBA Finals continue. Tune in on ABC. There are moments in life that are so special that you have to capture them and save them forever. They are one of those once-in-a-lifetime events, like your baby's first steps, the first time you bring your family pet home, or your daughter's first dance performance. With iPhone 15 Pro, more storage means you don't have to delete anything that can become a lasting memory one day. And it's important to be able to share these moments with family members who weren't there to see them in person. Store more, share more. Connect with iPhone 15 Pro on AT&T. Get iPhone 15 Pro on AT&T and get an iPad and Apple Watch for 99 cents per month each. AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Limited time offer. Requires 0% APR, 36-month agreement on each. Well-qualified customers. Other terms and restrictions apply. See att.com slash iPhone for details.